Welcome back to The Storyliner, the show where we turn story listeners into story makers. We're unfolding an ongoing storyline, one chapter at a time, one creator at a time. I'm Daniel Janoff, and this is Episode 7 of the podcast, created with a submission from Betsy O'Fallon. When she's not turning in great episode submissions, Betsy works as a copywriter. If you don't know what a copywriter is, rest assured a copywriter is not someone who just sits in the back of the room and copies the writing of others so they can publish it as their own. We'll talk about what exactly a copywriter does do and how Betsy developed her great submission in our upcoming interview installment. We thought Betsy's submission was particularly impressive because of how well she managed to use all the story components that preceded her submission, the narrative pieces on the game board that is our story. As the story has progressed, it's been nothing short of amazing to watch. Through your submissions, how the mystery has evolved and the character complexity and nuance has deepened. And this is all happening in a story that began with no sense of who the characters really were, what was making them tick, or where the story was headed. We had high expectations, but we continue to be astounded. At the same time, though, all this story complexity has made us take a long, hard think about the best way to produce our next and final episode. Because creating that episode involves a rather big ask. Wrap up, in one episode, this thing that's been moving in a variety of crazy, unexpected directions for a variety of crazy, sometimes unstated reasons. This show's pitch to you from the start has been collaboration without exhaustion, and we think that creating a satisfying ending for this story is going to take a little work. Creating it will be more exhilarating than exhausting, but it's certainly not something that anyone is going to bang out over the course of a few idle lunch breaks. So after a great deal of consideration, we've decided to take on Episode 8 ourselves. We hope this doesn't disappoint those of you who are waiting until the next episode to send in a submission. You'll definitely get your crack at an episode in an upcoming season. But too much work has gone into the story thus far. We want to ensure it gets an equally good ending. We're certainly going to try anyway. And, oh yes, here's episode 7. Previously on The Storyliner. You of course know Italian Bob and Luca Domingo Domingo. No offense to you, Tiffany, but how the hell did you get a date with Lee Johnson? Tell me everything. Everything there is to know about your website. No, we don't, Ava replied. I don't have to crack the code, and I'm not going to track anything down. I can just leave. It seemed to work all right for you. She knew from the voice who it was before she opened her eyes. Lee Johnson, Marianne said. That's your name. It is. Came up with it myself, actually. Why are you doing all of this? Marianne shouted. Glenn still hasn't told you? Then I guess I'm not sorry for what's going to come next. Can you contact him? Glenn asked. Maybe, Brad replied. The cameras he installed in my apartment. Tell him to turn them back on in about two hours. Because I'm reinstalling them, Glenn replied. A place I think you'll find interesting. Marianne stood on the sidewalk and texted Glenn. Where are you? Working, he texted back. Where are you? At a party, Marianne replied and then added, I think. Nice, Glenn replied. I'll see you later tonight. Marianne stuck the phone back in her pocket and looked around to confirm where she was. She'd lost track of time, of place, and largely of reason. But she was sure she was no longer drunk because things that recently had seemed pleasantly fuzzy and undefined were becoming sharp and urgent. 
Tiffany, for instance, was leaning uncomfortably close to Marianne as she texted. Come on, Tiffany hissed impatiently and grabbed Marianne by the arm to leave. Come on where? Marianne asked. I'm getting out of this shithole, Tiffany said, which means you're getting out of this shithole too. Let's go. Marianne wanted to be done with Tiffany for the night, but one look at her face and Marianne knew there was no point protesting. Giving in early just saved time for everyone. They had only moments ago stepped out of the sweaty party and into the cool night air. The stark shift from laughter and pulsing music inside to car honks and cell phones shouting outside made Marianne's bourbon and dancing buzz immediately disappear. It was as though she had never been at the party at all, until a white suburban screeched around the corner and lurched to a stop in front of Marianne and Tiffany. Italian Bob was at the wheel, with Luca Domingo Domingo riding shotgun. Both were shouting, possibly laughing too, neither seeming to realize that they were no longer inside a party. Domingo Domingo stepped out of the SUV, opened the back door, and with an elaborate mock bow and flourish of his arm, gestured for Tiffany and Marianne to enter the vehicle. Check out this genius new app we just invested in, Italian Bob shouted as he connected his phone to the car's Bluetooth. It plays the top five billboard singles through your phone. All at the exact same time, Domingo Domingo said as he hopped back into his seat. Five songs at once, Italian Bob shouted. Fucking brilliant. As they tore away from the party, Domingo Domingo cranked the volume on what sounded like an aggressive club music remix being played through a PA on an active jet runway. It was loud enough that Tiffany could shout as she pleased, What did you do? Seriously, what the fuck are you up to? Um, can you clarify? Marianne asked. She knew it was the wrong thing to say. Tiffany was never calm. But as they sped through the night, Marianne wasn't sure if she was seeing the flicker of passing streetlights bouncing off of Tiffany's face or actual sparks flying out of her eyes. Are you kidding me? Tiffany shouted. How about you clarify how one minute you were in the elevator with my date and the next minute he's practically tripping over himself to get away from me, telling me he's so sorry something suddenly came up and he's gone in front of everyone on the roof. Do you have any idea how embarrassing that is? Marianne couldn't help herself. She giggled hearing Marcia Brady's go-to excuse coming out of Tiffany's mouth. She could see Tiffany stiffen up getting ready to shout again. But Italian Bob shouted first, turning back to them and saying, You're in love, right? Tiffany and Marianne just looked at him, not sure how to reply. The app, Italian Bob continued, melts your fucking mind, right? We still need a name, Domingo Domingo said. Something that makes you think of the future. And oral sex, naturally, Italian Bob added. Let us know when something hits you, Domingo Domingo said, then turned back around. Will do, Marianne shouted back then turned to Tiffany and said, Look, I have fucked up almost literally everything I've tried to do in the past month. I didn't even want to come to this stupid party. I only came because I thought it would save my stupid job. And now you're accusing me of hitting on and successfully stealing your date? Do I look like the kind of woman Lee Johnson ditches you for? I'm a fucking mess. It wasn't until she heard her voice grind out the last few words that Marianne realized she was crying. After a moment, Tiffany said, Marianne, you don't have to take everything so personally. Jesus. Okay, maybe you're right. It's just a coincidence. Fuck, just, just stop crying. She leaned toward the front seat and said, Bob, let's swing by Marianne's and put her to bed. She's had a rough day. 
Oh, we're going to her place, Italian Bob said. But no one's going to bed. We need to see the scene of the robbery tonight. Marianne forgot that she'd been forced to share some, but not all, of the details surrounding the empty apartment while pitching her website and taking hits off the joint. Empty apartment party, Domingo Domingo shouted. I bet the app sounds amazing in there, Italian Bob added. Eva sat on her bed and watched the video on her laptop. There was a large suitcase next to her, generously packed for the trip she'd just booked. A car was waiting for her downstairs and had been waiting for about 25 minutes. But the car could keep waiting. She'd already watched the video eight times, but she needed to see it again. The video was of Glenn and Ava recorded in the bar where they'd met only a few hours ago. There had been two cameras set on them, recording their entire exchange, one from his point of view, the other from hers. Her phone rang again, her driver again, she assumed, but glancing at her phone, this time she saw it was Glenn. I got the video you sent, Ava said as she answered. What do you think, Glenn replied. I didn't really watch that closely, Ava replied. It's a little basic, but I'm assuming that's what you're going for. I didn't make it, Glenn replied. I found it by looking at some IP addresses associated with the camera components I use that he seems to be using too. He recorded us talking at the bar, Ava asked. It didn't occur to me until you mentioned Brad being there, Glenn said. You can have cameras anywhere and capture video, but if you want to hear what's going on, especially in a public place, someone has to place a mic near the subjects. Someone like Brad. Gotcha. Okay. Obviously, I wasn't clear enough before, Ava said, and snapped her suitcase shut. I'm done with this. Done with you. Done with whoever he is. I forgave myself for all of it a long time ago. So once more, so I'm really clear, I'm leaving town for a while. I don't want to hear from you while I'm gone. And yeah, not ever again. I understand, Glenn replied. Whatever you want, but just ask yourself for a moment. Why would he want to record video of the two of us talking? Ava packed the biggest suitcase she had because she didn't know how long she'd be gone for. Normally, she left it to an assistant to either get it to the airport or ship it directly to her destination. She was on her own this time, though. As she was taking her bag down the stairs, she lost her grip halfway down, causing it to clatter loudly down a few steps. He did it to fuck with us, obviously, Ava shouted as she reclaimed the bag and humped it down the landing, like everything else he's been doing. Yes, Glenn replied, but not necessarily. He's been gathering footage. Initially, I agree. It seemed like just a way to either entrap us or at least intimidate us, but he'd already done all of that before he had us meet at the bar. Why would he want us to meet at the bar at all? And why send someone out to make sure he could hear what we would say to each other? I don't know, Ava said as she got the suitcase out to the sidewalk. She flagged the driver to grab it and then continued, It's a little invasive, demented, and whatever. But I mean, what kid doesn't spy on his parents? But he's not just spying. He's recording, Glenn said, then continued. What if he's making, I know it's not the right phrase, but when you watch a moving image of your parents together, Ava laughed and said, what, he's making a home movie? I said it's not the right phrase, Glenn replied, but it's worth considering the reasons why someone creates a video like that. Ava followed the driver to the car and said, what do you hope to accomplish here, Glenn? After a moment, Glenn replied, I'm working on that. There, right there. 
That's it. That was always your charm. The work you do, the way you talk, you're mysterious, enigmatic, even to yourself, right? But when you walked out on me, walked out on him, I finally realized you weren't any of that. You're just empty. Glenn didn't reply. Anyway, good luck with all that, Glenn. Stalk to you later, Ava said as the driver heaved mightily to swing her suitcase into his trunk. As she hung up the phone, the driver lost his grip on Ava's suitcase, causing it to crash down to the asphalt and snap open. The contents immediately began to pour out and onto the street. Marianne pulled out her phone to see if Glenn had texted her. But, as she did, the condensation that had gathered on her fingers from holding a champagne bottle caused the phone to slip out of her hand and fall to the floor. When she finally picked it up, she saw what she thought was their last exchange, but a moment later she realized it wasn't. They'd had more or less the same exchange a few weeks ago, and as she scrolled, she saw a similar exchange a few weeks before that. He was working with his cameras, maybe for a job, maybe not. She was networking at a party, trying to generate some interest in her site. Put down your phone, Tiffany said. She was grinning widely, which instantly made Marianne nervous. Is that a real smile or a fake smile, Marianne said. It's real, Tiffany said, looking a little surprised by her answer. I think. They'd been drinking champagne in Marianne's apartment, each from their own bottle because Marianne still had no glasses, and blaring non-music from Bob and Domingo Domingo's app, and in general doing their best to convince themselves that they were still partying. Much as Marianne wanted to shoo them all away, only a day ago she would have done anything to get even 30 minutes alone with the three of them. Italian Bob and Domingo Domingo were seated on Marianne's floor and watched with a grin as Tiffany walked her toward them. They're smiling too. Why is everyone smiling? Marianne asked Tiffany. Because we're about to talk business, dear, Tiffany replied. Looks more like ritual sacrifice, Marianne said. Just shut up and sit down. Tiffany replied through her smile. As they sat, Italian Bob switched off the blare of that awful app and said, Marianne, it's time to talk. Okay, Marianne replied. What's up? What was Lee's offer? Domingo Domingo asked. Marianne frowned at the question, not sure what was being asked. Yes, absolutely, Italian Bob said, then turned to Domingo Domingo and continued, You're a tacky asshole. I agree with you fully, Domingo Domingo replied. Let's not talk numbers, Italian Bob said, turning back to Marianne. There's no way we're going to beat Lee Johnson on numbers anyway. Our balls, though, much, much bigger, Domingo Domingo said. Tacky again, Italian Bob said, but totally, completely fucking on point. Okay, here's the idea. This apartment isn't an apartment anymore. It's now a stage. And you getting robbed, Domingo Domingo continued, isn't a theft. It's a gift, because it gives you a chance to outfit the place all over again, Italian Bob added, like on all those home improvement shows, except you don't really do any work. You just buy shit, Domingo Domingo said with an aha grin. It's perfect, right? Tiffany said. That's just the pilot, though, Italian Bob continued. After that, we keep bringing in a new couple for every episode of roommates, lovers, drag queens, whatever. A new couple for every episode. Marianne said, trying to keep up, of the show. 
Anchored by your site as the content and e-commerce hub, Italian Bob said, Tiffany's celebrity drives influencer outreach. We deliver the app because, of course, there's a fucking app. But it starts with you, though. With this, Italian Bob continued, gesturing at the empty apartment, this little upper-middle-class tragedy that two best friends turn into a triumph through a shared love of shopping. Two best friends, Marianne said. We certainly didn't start out that way, Tiffany said, putting her arm around Marianne, but look at us now. Hey, man, Glenn's taxi driver said. I gotta go. The driver had been leaning on the car and nursing a coffee for the better part of an hour while Glenn worked. What's that? Glenn asked without looking up from the mess of tools he'd strewn across the hood of the taxi. There were screwdrivers atop keyboards atop drills with his laptop somewhere in the center. I gotta go, the driver repeated. Understood, Glenn said, reaching into his wallet to pull out more cash. But I need to stay plugged into your car lighter for about 30 more minutes. The driver waved off the cash and said, Dispatch is going to radio me any time, and I gotta be heavy with a new passenger. And not to be nosy, but whatever you're installing... They're just cameras, Glenn replied. My cousin installs security cameras, the driver said. Those aren't security cameras. I didn't say they were, Glenn replied. Then what are they for, the driver asked. Glenn pulled out twice as much cash as he'd given the driver last time and said, You'll know as soon as I do. The driver reluctantly took the money and got back into his car. Glenn sat down on the curb and glanced up at the seven cameras he'd installed throughout the intersection, one for every point of vulnerability. As late as it was, there were no cars, no people, no sounds. But with the cameras in, pushing their feet out to their prior IP address, Glenn knew he and the driver weren't alone. He'd been sitting there for only ten minutes when a black SUV pulled up next to them and parked. The front seat passenger got out and faced Glenn. It was Baldo. Glenn signaled to the driver, who immediately drove away. Once they were alone, Baldo said, Why would you come back here, Glenn? Because I want to talk to him, Glenn replied. Putting those cameras back in, Baldo said with a shake of his head, That's in very bad taste, Glenn. I'm sorry, Glenn replied, but I wanted to make sure I got someone's attention. And here I am, Baldo replied. I want to talk to him, Glenn said. You're assuming Lee will want to talk to you, Baldo replied. He's been making an effort to get my attention, Glenn said. I figured maybe he'd want to talk as well. Or maybe he'd prefer to continue unspooling your life, Baldo said. Or worse. He succeeded, Glenn said. Now it's time for me to talk to him. Baldo sighed. No, Glenn. He gestured to the SUV, and someone in the back seat opened the door. Now it's time for you to get into this car. Thanks to Betsy O'Fallon for submitting what turned out to be our final submission of the season. We'll be back in a bit with her interview installment, so stay tuned with whatever device you use to tune us in. In prior episodes, this is the point in the show where I would remind you that this is a show that you help make. I have also, at times, even given unsolicited advice, my favorite kind, to any neophyte writers out there interested in creating a submission but not sure how to start. This time around, though, I have no reminder and no advice for what's to come next you get to just download and listen. We've already started ideating around episode 8, and we're excited about where it's going. We hope you're excited by it too. And now is when I usually encourage you to check out our site, 
check out our submission guidelines, etc, etc. No need this time around, obviously, but we would still appreciate you sharing this in your online community of choice, or God forbid, in real life, while drinking an actual beverage with someone else. So many of the podcasts or shows that I consider to be my all-time favorites are shows that I didn't even know about when they first came out. Someone recommended them to me, often not until the first season or two had already been released. If you stuck with us all the way to episode 7, you either genuinely enjoyed this show, or you're my dad. So to you, and to my dad, please tell someone about this show today. It might become their all-time favorite podcast. It's possible, and they'll have you to thank for it. Keep listening, keep typing, and seriously, thanks for the submissions. Today's episode was read by Michelle Monaforti. Music and sound design were composed by Stefan Boblil. Our logo and site were designed by The Apartment. This episode was brought to you by Squarespace. Look like an expert right from the start by making your website with Squarespace. Its award-winning templates are the most beautiful way to present your ideas online. Stand out with a professional website, portfolio, or online store. Squarespace. Make your next move. Make your next website.